Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini, in case you forgot. It's been a little while. Uh, joining me on this Sunday evening is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, the Islanders haven't been playing any games, although it is November. But there has been a huge bit of news over the last couple of days, and that is that the career of the great Johnny Boychuk has ended. And so we thought we'd get together and talk about uh, a guy who's been an Islanders legend since the moment he arrived. I mean, I can't. I don't want to really think about when he wasn't an Islander because it's been a lot more fun having him on the team than since than before he was on the team, right? Yeah, he he really kind of just became uh, an Islander, which is you know I re- I wonder with I think because he won a cup with the Bruins and like that's when he had his you know come up. People still think of him as a Bruin first, kind of how I think a lot of people still think of Cal Clutterbuck as as a member of like the Wild more than even though he's been on the Islanders for longer than that, just because when they when they kind of landed on the scene and became these, you know, bigger cult heroes that, you know, when when you have success, that cult hero heroism uh, kind of gets expanded to the to the greater audience by, you know, the media, especially in, in, in Canada when when they're calling games on like TSN and stuff. But um, he, he's he's an Islander in the, because he really did everything that when he was acquired, he was sold as you know a, a hardworking guy who's just gonna play through everything. He's gonna get in front of everyone. He's gonna be the type of guy who who thrives when he's going up against the Alex Ovechkins and Evgeny Malkins of the world. And uh, he came as advertised and basically took a team that 
not a lot of people would do what Johnny Boychuk did for the Islanders. Let's just like, you know, for the Islanders, you know, it wasn't like he was going to the, to the Leafs or to like the, the Canadians or teams with, with more, I guess, pedigree at the time. Um, he, he, he did, he took a, a franchise that was young, uh, in terms of its roster at the time and, and kind of was, became the adult in the room and the grizzled veteran. And, and in that role too, he was as advertised and, uh, he, he, it was impossible not to like the guy. Um, and I think just like the way his career kind of arced with the Islanders, it was like almost like a perfect, uh, obviously it's, in, you know, the, the way he had to, you know, had to call it quits is, is sad. And, you hope his, you know, the rest of his life is, is, is great, but he just, his arc as a, as an Islander character was, was really nice. And, uh, you can't, I don't think he could ask for more and, and, and we could ask for more of him, uh, as fans. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot, yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that. A lot of that I think has to do with, um, yeah, his, his previous history before coming to the Islanders. I read, um, the, uh, our sister cited, that's uh, the Bruins site, Stanley Cup of Chowder, actually posted an article about it. Um, and I think they were surprised. There was a line in there about how they were surprised that he spent um, more time as an Islander than he did as a Bruin, which is kind of funny. And and he's a guy, he spent 404 games as an Islander, but he also had 300 and how many games? 317 games as a Bruin. Um, and it didn't seem like he was that old, but um, you know he came to the Islanders when he was already – um, 31. And so, you know, this was a guy who logged a lot of minutes and a lot of games and particularly playoff games. Actually, he actually played more playoff games with the Bruins than he did with the Islanders, but we'll get into that at the same time. But, you know, he's a guy who, who came, who brought with him a certain, I hate this word sometimes, but I think it, it applies to a guy like Johnny Boychuk, like a gravitas. Like he came from this team that a is an you know original six team, very well established. Everybody knows the Boston Bruins. He had won a cup. He had played with Chara, and you know he wore that kind of old school, you know, kind of mentality about him, and was obviously very successful. Played with Bergeron and Marchand and all those guys. And then the Islanders acquire him, and really for not much. We'll get to that trade in a little bit because obviously Nick Letty was part of it too, um, and. That's the kind of trade that guys like you and me and others can point to as never working out for the Islanders. Like they never got, you know, they've tried to get guys like that in the past. I mean, Trevor, Trevor Linden would be like an example or even like Robert Reichel, but not quite. They hadn't won Stanley Cups. Kirk Muller, obviously, unfortunately, is another example. Um, they Those guys never really stayed that long and never really worked out that well. And so here was Boychuk, obviously a lower profile than, than some of those guys, but the Bruins had a cap problem and somebody was going to have to go and Boychuk needed a new contract. And so he, the Islanders Garth Snow was able to pounce. And I mean, it, you know, it's, you can't even really just say, Oh, he's one of Garth's better trades. I mean, it's arguably the best trade Garth made unless you, you know, we're counting the Barzell as well. Um, but it's up there. It's up there. If you're looking at Garth's best deals, I mean, that's the Letty, the Saturday, uh, blockbuster of Letty and Boychuk both coming in within an hour of each other is probably number two right behind uh, Barzell. And so he came and immediately established himself as a guy who wanted to be here, wanted to play and be an Islander. And this was before Barry Trotz, you know, obviously you know, Jack Capuano was a coach at the time. And this was when the team was still trying to find its way. You know, you had Tavares obviously, but they hadn't had a lot of success. They hadn't made the playoffs 
Um, they well, he wasn't on the the 2013 team, but you know that was kind of a fleeting moment in time. And uh, right from the get go, did all the things that people expected him to do. He had that big shot. He blocked a lot of shots. He fought. He just played a ton of minutes and ate a ton of pucks and gave the Islanders something that they hadn't had in a long time, which was just a guy that was just stable. Like he was just a stable guy that that could win and was had been on winning teams and knew what it took to win. I know these are all cliches, but the Islanders hadn't had a guy like that in a very long time uh, that you know wasn't drafted by them and you know brought that kind of attitude towards him. And then, of course, the elect, the hanging specter of the entire season for the most part was, well, is he going to stay? Like we've had these guys, we've been down this road before, but now what happens? And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was signed sometime in like January or February. It didn't leak. It didn't come down to the wire or anything with him, but he just like in the middle of the season, he just signed this six year contract extension. And while a lot of people were like, Oh my God, why do you sign a 31 year old guy to a six year contract? That's stupid. Are you crazy? We were just like, Holy shit. He's staying. Are you kidding? <laughs> this is, is this real? Is he's really, ha- he wants to play here and be here. I tweeted it. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but I, I tweeted a, a picture of a, a, t- a tweet from Joe Haggerty, the, you know, Boston Bruins writer, about a month after that trade was like, eh, my my gut feeling or something is that uh, I can't see Boychuk staying with the Isles. He wants cups. Well, he stayed with the Isles. They didn't win a cup. We'll talk about that a little bit too. But he stayed and he gave the Islanders everything he had in a way that a lot of people hadn't for a long time. And and his presence will definitely be missed, although uh, his contributions in the ice have been a little bit lessened. Um, main, he missed the most part, for the most part, this you know run to the conference finals here. Um, and was kind of replaced by your man, Andy Green, who is still kind of waiting a contract. And now with this big chunk, $6 million off, you know, uh, coming off, well, not me coming off the books, but there might be a cushion there. Uh, Green is still out there. A couple other guys might still need, con- are going to, you know, supposedly get signed soon and we'll see how this all shakes out. But, uh, at first the Islanders are going to need to reckon with the loss of a big voice and a big personality in their room. And it won't be easy. Uh, you know, Andy Green or no Andy Green. Yeah, he he's we always like kind of roll our eyes at those cliches all the time, but when it is your guy, like you see them, and you're like, oh no, it's it you know it makes sense uh, sometimes to, to kind of get caught up in it, and and Boychuk kind of in in the best way possible was was the the playing, walking, breathing hockey cliche, like what everybody likes about the sport, you know, Johnny Boychuk kind of was it, um, and he he you said it like his the the way his kind of he he changed the the way the team was and like operated in a a way that you if you weren't if you don't pay attention to the islanders like you just you probably wouldn't didn't notice or you may be attributed to john Tavares really hitting his prime and and oposo and those guys having big years but it really you know boy chuck and and letty to an extent really uh just changed the whole dynamic of the roster and he he never um uh, I, I don't think he ever like touched how well he played in that that first season but he never was like he never was an albatross like he and that's why i was talking about like his career arc and uh him him you know going out a little early uh you know it sucks uh for for the reason that that he that he has to call it quits but um it's it's nice that he kind of is going out i don't want to say on top because like this we're not talking about uh you know zidane char or someone but you know he's going out kind of at you know, a, a, a high level where he was still a, a, a functioning, you know, serviceable number five, six defenseman still had that great shot and still was just like, 
an absolute cyclone on the ice. Like just got like the play just found him all the time. Cause he, he was hitting people. He, like you said, he was eating pucks. He was doing all this stuff. Um, and, and he's going to be missed, you know, not just by us. And, you know, we, we were talking about how we couldn't really remember the last time the Islanders had a guy, uh, that retired. Um, and obviously Twitter changes this. So, so it's only like, you know, what do you want to call it? Decades worth of, these kind of things but when uh when an islander retired where not only did he not just kind of disappear into the void like uh we saw with like radic martinek and and dennis seidenberg and those guys where they're kind of just like playing and practicing on long island and the islanders are like well let's just keep that guy around and, and he'll either retire or we might need him to play against the coyotes because you know a couple guys got injured um they, they just never really had guys you know dipietro yash and these guys kind of they didn't have the the glorified retirement um parade the au revoir parade that that Boychuk got like people from all over the league and the media fawning over him and, and wishing him the best like I don't remember the last time that ever happened to an Islander when when he went out uh, you know playing as an Islander and uh in going out at, at this kind of level I, I seriously can't remember it um it, it, you probably have to go back to you know pre Charles Wong Islanders or someone because it's it's really hard to think about a guy who is known, you know, you, you can argue Boychuk 50-50 with the Bruins, whatever, but a guy who is definitely an Islander who retired and got this this swan song, well, a well-deserved one. And uh, that kind of show, shows you a couple things. A, how, how great Johnny Boychuk was and how much Islander fans and people around the league liked him and how lucky we were. You know, it was really truly a, a pleasure to have him on the Islanders uh, for as long as we did. But it also just goes to show you how how few Johnny Boychucks have kind of come in in and out of that locker room since uh yeah since the heyday. I would say, I mean, you'd have to go back to the heyday, and I would say that it probably, I mean, obviously Twitter didn't exist in 1988 or 89 or whatever it was, but you'd have to go back to like a Nystrom or maybe even Billy Smith. Like I I don't, I don't know if <laughs> too many people would have you know been happy uh, or wish Billy Smith well in retirement, but. Uh, I think you probably would have gotten a lot of stuff at that point. You're like, oh, hey, great, you know, great career to a competitor, whatever. Nystrom for sure. Like Bob Nystrom would have definitely gotten the treatment that Johnny Boychuk got. And, you know, the afternoon that he announced that he his career was over, um, uh, there were obviously all the Islanders came out on their Instagrams. Uh, Anders Lee had a beautiful sort of four picture thing. Scott Mayfield, um, Devon Taves, all the way from Colorado, uh, you know, giving his respect, talked about how after he scored his first goal, Boychuk bought him a, like a monogrammed uh, bottle of wine. You know, and that's the kind of thing that he does. And that's the kind of thing that sticks with people. Scott Mayfield had a nice thing to say. But even like you said, from around the league. So, I mean, Rene Lavoie, the, you know, uh, French Canadian uh, reporter from RDS had some nice things to say. And guys from Boston were saying nice things. I mean, he hadn't played in Boston in six years and they were still had nice things to say. And Milan Lucic, who was his teammate with the Bruins. Had a really nice thing. I don't even know Milan Lucic was even on Twitter, and he took time out to like tweet about uh, you know his brother or whatever. Uh, and and uh, also Dave Boychuk, Johnny's brother, had a really nice thing to say too uh, out there. You kind of expect that, but uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to see. And I mean, again, it's it's a a sad way for a guy to go out. And we should talk about that for a minute. So back in March, um, which I know feels like it was ten years ago, but it was just this season. Um, the Islanders were playing the Canadians at Barclays Center and Boychuk was cut by a skate of Arteri Lekkanen. It's kind of a freak thing. It was weird, but Boychuk unfortunately required 90 stitches. 
um, which is pretty gruesome. It was blood. It was, I, I mean, I was actually out, I was watching on my phone and I was like, what happened to Boychuk? And then I heard later and I was like, oh my God. Um, and then about a week after that, the NHL and most of the world just went on pause and nobody was heard from for several months. And so when he, when the Islanders re- reconvened for the return to play, they got Boychuk back healthy along with Adam Pellick. And you thought, oh, okay, well, maybe, you know, they might have a chance now. First game of the first, the play-in series against the Panthers, um, Boychuk takes a hit, a high hit from Mike Matheson, leaves the game, and does not come back until the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we're half over. And that was, you know, kind of what we thought was, oh, man, it was bad luck. What Johnny Boychuk thought was his vision had not come back 100%. And if you watch the Zoom call with him, when his announcement was made, he said that he he realized he had lost some peripheral vision because he should have seen Matheson coming at least a little bit. I don't know if he would have braced for it or maybe, you know, even avoided the hit, but he definitely should have seen him coming. And that was when he he realized. And even before that, even during training, he noticed something was a little bit off. And then once they hit the ice with the Panthers, like he knew this is not right. And so after the Islander season was over and he came back and he saw a bunch of doctors and they all basically came to the same determination, which is that you're going to get hurt. It's not so much about losing vision, um, which obviously you know could happen, but it's more about if you can't see dudes coming from all angles, like you used to, you could get seriously hurt concussion, broken, this busted that, and your the rest of your life could seriously be impacted. So this is a guy with three really small kids at home and a wife and the whole thing. And, you know, he just had to make the decision. He called it a life choice. It was less about making the decision to walk away, you know, and more about making the decision for the rest of his life, which is the seriousness of, of this whole thing. And so it's sad that Johnny Boychuk won't be wearing number 55 for the Islanders next season, whenever that starts. But, you know, when you look at it that way, again, this is a guy with a whole family and his whole life ahead of him. He's, he's younger than me for Christ's sake. Like I'm talking about him, like he's an old man. He's like six years younger than me. Um, you know, it's, um, it, it obviously, you know, he's making the right choice for himself and you can't, you can't begrudge him that. It sucks it, it, for us as fans, but what are you going to do? You, you mentioned, you know, the 55 and, and I always thought this about him. He really looked like the way his, um, I mean, he really played like the way his Jersey and equipment was like the 55, the, the last name saying boy, check over it. Like it was just like, there should have been just a heavy metal band playing anytime he was on the ice, you know, like he, he was just all over the place in that regard. And, and that's the, the point is that it's for a guy who played that style of hockey, uh, it must it must be really scary uh, to know that you, if you can't see people or or pucks coming at you from angles because his his game is predicated on making the most of that chaos of that's that's taking uh, taking place on the ice and if you can't see it coming like that's a big big issue uh, you know so uh, yeah, good sure. God man it's, it's I think I, I and uh, you said like in the beginning we we're talking about the contract a little bit and I think a lot of uh, a huge thing or huge kind of testament to Boychuk uh was that if you if even like the the smarmiest of you know thumb thumb on the nose up at you uh analytics and contract you know hawks on twitter a lot, for the most part they were drowned out like this wasn't a oh the islanders are really you know you know Lou does it again there was a little bit of that but the fact was the people were when, when people I mean we're gonna get to it like but everybody was sure to say like look this guy this isn't you know Stefan Robida or 
someone you know like that like this isn't you know david clarkson who's still an active player in the nhl like this is we we need to you know pay a pay proper respect to a career um yeah. that was just a lot of fun and a lot of an enjoyable career and enjoyable person uh so it's it's uh it, it does it there's just so much uh good there's so many good things you can say about the guy uh, and i can't honestly like you you you, you can i can't remember anybody really ever bad mouthing uh boy chuck is an islander people be like oh he's getting slow and he can't really keep up in the contract what yada yada but like it was always with a you know a, a qualifier at the end be like and i love i you know i love johnny boy chuck but or you know the or <laughs> at the end yeah. but like you know and, and I'm, I'm i'm not saying I, I hate him and i want him off the team but like you know so he's he's just the type of guy that uh it was just impossible not to love and and it went from from top to bottom too like the, like you were saying with like lee and the guys uh, posting on Instagram, uh, just like everybody seemed to just love that guy. If, if anytime they'd flash to him on the bench, like somebody was, was smiling next to him and stuff. There's I mean, he, he had, he had really kind of entrancing eyes too. So like there's, he's, he's had this like aura about him and, and that's, yeah. that's going to be missed. Like there's, there is going to be like this weird hole in the Islanders kind of like ethos um, <laughs> going forward because he was a big part of the fabric of the team. Um, from from personality to 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 the way he played those baby blue eyes and that big yeah. grin you know like that's, it's so that's funny that, which... that kind of player had a, had that kind of baby face going like yeah. he, it was chiseled but like <laughs> right. you're, you're talking about like you know if you put jeff skinner's face on you know like uh, eric right. goddard or something he, he yeah he's you know he's 6 227 and he's gonna hit you like a train coming at you and yet, yeah, he's got a baby face. Like it's just yeah, he's got the funniest eyes, face. His eyes will be twinkling as he's as he's hip checking you, right? And but like you know, and yeah, that that there will be a hole in the locker room. I just totally remembered um, before we came on, and, and I'm glad that that this got mentioned. There's a bunch of stories on the Islanders site that are all definitely worth reading. And and our friend Corey Wright wrote a nice one here about the mark that Boychuk left on the Islanders. And I he, I had totally forgotten about the leather jacket. Remember the leather jacket that was given out after yeah. games to the player of the game or whatever that was purchased by Boychuk, I believe off of eBay. And he just saw it and he was like, that's awesome. And it became like a thing that, you know, I don't know if, how much play it got outside of Islanders fandom, but it was just their thing. And it was awesome. And it was like, that's great. That, like, that's a, the kind of thing that Johnny Boychuk does again, you know, gives guys a wine, a bottle of wine when they, they score a goal. Like th- those are the kinds of things that you can't, you can't buy. And I, you know, I, I don't know if, Garth Snow necessarily knew that Boychuk would be that kind of player when he acquired him, um, but he was. And and I think, you know, I think not for nothing, too. I think Boychuk, not that he wasn't beloved in the Bruins room, obviously, but I, I think feeling, I think coming to a team like the Islanders that hadn't been quite as established as the Bruins probably let him shine a little bit more, you know, and, and take the reins of being like the veteran guy. You know, he came in and was sort of immediately like the team dad. And, you know, I wrote this in the thing, like he was the team dad, but he was also a goofball. So like, everybody looked up to him. He was like everybody's big brother. But at the same time, who's the first guy goofing around? I remember when when Jason Chimera had that a, a goal and there was they had Boychuk mic'd up for that game. And he was like, he's heating up, you know, like the old NBA jam thing. <laughs> he was yelling at Jason. Like he was goofy on the ice, goofy in the locker room. And and uh, hopefully they can find another uh, another voice that's like that. Um, you yeah, know, I think, Leo I think Komarov, that's I guess, the thing, right? First- his, his mark is so profound that I think that someone – Someone in that locker room who's been around Boychuk has seen how how that kind of personality needs to operate, and I'm sure, and, and you're happy because the 
that the mantle will be passed. I think the Islanders have enough guys like kind of in that mold and that Boychuk probably, you know, has enjoyed being around. So it, it is nice that this team, which has always talked about it, and he's another one of those cliches that, that we bandy about, but it's it, it seems to just kind of hold weight is that this is a huge, this this room is like just incredibly tight and this team has right. been tight and uh, Boychuk, it's passing that mantle of being this kind of guy, it's, it's, it, it'll, it'll land safely, I think, which is nice. Like, it's not, you know, like it's not, he's not being shipped out of town and, or anything like that. It's uh, <laughs> this, right. this, this kind of, that pe- the people around him will see like, Oh, like that is a, an enjoyable person to be around. I want to be more like Johnny Boychuk. And that, that will help the team down the line, uh, whether you can quantify it or not. Yeah. So real quick before we go to the break, um, let's talk about the trade that brought Johnny Boychuk here. Um, again, it happened on a Saturday. I remember because I was at the supermarket and I heard rumblings. I was reading on Twitter rumblings that the Islanders were working on something. And I believe Boychuk was the first of the two. And then Letty came after him. But October 4th, 2014, uh, the Islanders traded Philly's second round pick, uh, which had been acquired in the Andrew McDonald trade, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was either Andrew McDonald or, or Mark Streit, one of those two trades. They got a second-round pick from the Flyers, and they sent that to the Bruins, um, plus their own second-round pick uh, in the 2016. Was, so it was a second-rounder in 2015 and then twenty second-rounder in the 2016 draft. Uh, that 2015 pick ended up being Brandon Carlo, who's a pretty darn good player in his own right. And a lot of people don't talk about that, but that's another kind of um, signpost as to how much Boychuk was liked in that – People aren't like using that as like, you know, you know, like we got Brandon Carlo and all you got was Johnny Boychuk. Like, you know, I mean, especially for those of us that remember the Nita Ryder for Kenneth Clutterbuck trade that was, you know, a hot point of contention for a long time. Like that never happened. Two two pretty good players got, you know, you you traded a pretty good player and you got a second round pick and you got to use that on a pretty good player. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Lindgren was that second rounder in 2016. Uh, I feel like I've heard that name before. I think so. he's a Long Island guy. I think he plays for the Rangers now. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then so a little bit later that same day, uh, the Islanders traded um, TJ Brennan, who has played for everybody's AHL team in, <laughs> on the, in the universe, Vili Polka and goalie Anders Nilsson, who's now back in the league with the Senators, to the, the Blackhawks for uh, Nick Letty and Kent Simpson, who I have no recollection of whatsoever. And so within a span of an hour, it wasn't just like two good trades within you know the same day like that happens it's rare but it happens um both guys again were caught up in a cap crunch in their team the Bruins you know the Blackhawks couldn't afford to extend Letty um and they had to get rid of him and you know because they could sign Brent Seabrook for 50 years and all those other guys Taves and all those other guys um and so the Islanders were the beneficiary of both of those places and they really didn't give up much at all we thought that losing Vili Polka was going to be a problem but mm, didn't really work out that way for the Blackhawks but it wasn't just two good trades within the same day. It was Garth Snow acquired a top defensive pairing within an hour of each other and gave up very, very little. He gave up three young players and two draft picks, and that was it. And all of a sudden, the Islanders had a top defensive pairing that could actually play on the same ice with some of the better players in the league. Like now, all of a sudden, when you go up against the Blackhawks and Jonathan Taves is there, like you're not you know, sweating because Andrew McDonald is out there. Like this is, <laughs> these guys are pretty good. And you had a power play, you know, that could now bring it and have, you know, be a little bit more, um, uh, I guess, you know, productive than it had been. 
so that was that's remarkable, and I still think about that. Just like how the hell did this guy do that? Like I know we you know we talked about Garth at, at Garth ad nauseum, but like how often do you see a general manager acquire a top defensive pair? In, in one day, in two separate trades, and not really give up that much. It's just crazy. And the fact that those two guys are still here six years later, again, you know, Boychuk obviously having to step away, like, that's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, just, it's just unbelievable that, you know, those guys, they're not the t- they were not the top defensive pair this year, let's be honest. But, I mean, that's the way it works. You know, they were at the time and for a couple of years, and then you know, Ryan Pullocks and Adam Pellick obviously has had a coming out party now, but that's just remarkable. Like that's just crazy to do that. And and the fact that those guys both became Islanders, like you said, just ensconced almost m- immediately is really something special. Like they immediately were brought in and it's like, yes, this is my team now and I'm going to be loyal to this team. And I'm going to, we're going to try and do our best to make this team, you know, a championship contender. And it's, you know, it's come and gone, but that's, that's crazy that, you know, within an hour, these two guys were both here and now they're still here within an hour. Um, and like a couple days before the season started. Right. And, yeah, and, about a week and there have been yeah. talks about the Islanders trying to like do something like this where, because that was right after kind of the first big free agency of the new CBA where like there were a lot, I remember there was like a lot of teams throwing money around, uh, and, and putting themselves in weird positions. And there's talk about like the Islanders were the team. They're like, kind of like the Red Wings and Senators right now. Like they, they need to get to the cap floor. They, they, they're trying to, you know, be, be the, uh, shrewd team and they were and, and and i will never forget that when boychuk came everybody kind of of course it comes back to incarcerated bob the he was the one he was kind of on it and he kept mentioning letty and everyone's like so people were like dunking on him being like oh it turns out it was boychuk and he and he was the one i remember getting a text like a link to a tweet that he sent out someone was saying like there's no way this is true right and it was like incarcerated bob pumping the brace me like Nah, Letty's name is still being bandied about. Like this isn't over yet. And then, like twenty minutes later, like Nick Letty comes over to the Islanders. You're just like, holy shit! Like this is unbelievable. He just the team just completely changed in, uh, you know, an hour. Yeah, like you said, an hour. And you you think about what that trade did to that team. Like it added probably like what ten points to the standings. Put them in from from a team that. You know, it's kind of like plucky and and outside fringe uh, playoff contender if they got lucky to a team that was really really good. Like that that mm-hmm. team had they got yeah. a better effort in Game Seven or yeah. Uh, God, thinking about that game stinks. But uh, <laughs> you know, if 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 the, with those teams, like if that team had gotten a break here or there, or, uh, we're talking like they could have went on a run too and. Uh, they they weren't particularly you know well coached or whatever, but they had uh, a legitimate top pairing defense, two yeah top pair defense uh, that played like it, like they they played exactly like uh, what you wanted with with a puck transporter like Letty and Boychuk kind of just you know being the the gravity of the of the line of the pairing and and sucking everything towards them, like they the, it was something we hadn't had since. Probably, you know, the O'Coin hammer like Janssen. Like this, the if you think back to p- between 2001, 2002, to, uh, or even like, like earlier than that, like the, the mid-90s to, to Boychuk and Letty's first year, like you, there was never ever an iconic first pairing like like Pollock and Pellick are now. And mm-hmm. uh, 
like they, they just never had one outside of O'Coin and uh, Hammerlick or Janssen, you know, depending on, on what the roster was make up and who was kind of in form. Like they, they just hadn't had that. And, you know, we, we, they were trotting out, you know, all due respect to, to Sean Hill and Brendan Witt, like, but that was, that was our top pairing for a playoff year once. And it's just not, it just never happened. And, and you, you forgot what it felt like to have those guys. Like you could sleep easy at night knowing, Oh, we're playing, you know, Rick Nash tomorrow, and I don't know Johnny Boy, Chuck, and Nick, Nick Letty can handle that. Like I, I didn't feel that way about, like you said, Andrew McDonald and and you know Travis Hamanick, even though they they both had as solid NHL careers, Hamanick more so, obviously. But like you just, they helped you sleep at night, and that's what that that trade doing that, like it it had so many those trades had so many bigger ramifications uh, for this franchise and people knowing, and, and like I think you know, Barzell or that day, like Garth really had, had two shining, shining moments. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit for, for bringing these two guys over. And those two guys kind of been inseparable since too, which is funny because they're so such polar opposites uh, in, in everything, but uh, it's, it's always just been boy, Chuck and Letty, boy, Chuck and Letty. Uh, so it's a, uh, yeah, just a, a, a day that you know, pe- people won't uh, realize change the, the franchise as much as it did, but it's it's very similar to kind of like the Yan, Yan, uh, Yashin and Pekka day, uh, you know, when they kind of got introduced. Like th- th- without the pomp and circumstance or pageantry, like they weren't, we weren't ch- trotting Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty out at Westbury Manor or anything. But like that that day should have deserved just as much pageantry because it it really really changed the fortunes of the franchise. Right, um, and I know as as uh so depressing as thinking about game six in 2015 is or game seven in 2015 is the other thing too, is that perhaps Johnny Boychuk's crowning moment as an Islander was actually that game seven. I know they lost, but two Islanders showed up in that game. Yaro Halak, who turned aside a lot of capital shots and Johnny Boychuk, who was out there and uh Russian machine never breaks the great capitals blog. You know, they were, they were pretty open about how Boychuk ate, Ovechkin's lunch for a long time, as they said, and he was just all over that guy every time, you know, game in, game out. And that game seven was no different. And I know the Caps won the game eventually, but that, you know, Ovechkin, when he was on the ice, Boychuk was on the ice and Johnny would not let him out of his sight for one minute. And to do that against him is a remarkable testament to just how good Boychuk could be at that point. Again, it was, you know, there was he got old and, and things changed. But I mean, for those first couple of years, that was sort of the anti OV medicine that the Islanders needed was the guy to go out there and be like, Nope, we're taking this guy over. And then of course you had the anti Malkin medicine, which was Travis Hammond. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break right now and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the contract ramifications of all this, um, where the Islanders go from here, at least in terms of money wise and uh, what, uh, what's going to happen next. All right. So give us a minute and come back and we'll talk about that. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can find T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Uh, we are recording this, uh, I guess, the day before Cyber Monday, a couple of days after Black Friday. But there are sales going on uh, at VintageIceHockey.com, and there are new shirts. Kevin has introduced seven new shirts in the last week. Uh, we got some cool stuff uh, from the uh, Havana Tropicals. I mean, come on, Havana Tropicals, Cuban hockey. That's awesome. The Columbus Chill the uh, New Haven Nighthawks, like these are teams, th- this is stuff you're never going to find anywhere else. And if you use the code Lighthouse15, you could save 15%. They also have our Al Arbor t-shirts when the money goes to uh, the Center for Dementia Research. So check out Vintage Ice Hockey. They got seven new shirts. They got a ton of other stuff that's there and it's great. You use the code Lighthouse15, save yourself 15%. VintageIceHockey.com. Uh, okay, so notice if you go back and listen to that first half hour, you'll notice that the word retirement was never uttered by either Mike or I. And that's because Johnny Boychuk isn't retiring. His career is over, but he's not retiring. And there's probably a strategic reason for that. And he probably won't retire anytime soon. The Islanders are expected to put him on long-term injured reserve, uh, which would give them uh, the uh, option to go above the cap for the amount remaining, the average annual value of Johnny Boychuk's contract remaining still on. He's still got two years on it. At six million dollars per year, so they would allow be allowed to exceed the cap by about six million dollars. Now, the good news is, for as long as Boychuk is on LTIR, and again, if his career is over, he ain't coming off of it until he his career his contract is up. Um, so the Islanders have a lot of kind of outstanding contract things to to determine. One, obviously, is Matthew Barzell, who is the one final RFA that they have that has not signed a contract yet. They also have what well, we talked about, Andy Green. Corey Schneider, Matt Martin, all these guys reportedly have sort of handshake deals, I guess, top drawer, you know, desk drawer deals that are ready to be signed. But we need to kind of they need to figure out, you know, I guess where they all fit under the cap. So this this is going to allow Lou Lamorello to do a lot of maneuvering. Now, if Boychuk did retire, then his money just comes off the books and they can move on. Um, But I feel like Lou kind of knows which way to better handle all of this. Um, Obviously, the, you know, the cap would change at the end of whatever the next season starts. Um, so they got to take that into consideration, but um, it is definitely going to, you know, uh, change things and, and alter things. And if there's a silver lining to all of this, it's that $6 million is not a small amount of money when, it, when you have an, what is it? An $81 million cap or an $82 million cap. That's a lot of money. And so that's going to allow a lot of maneuverability for Lamorello to kind of fit all these guys in. Doesn't mean the team is going to really be different than it was last year, although unfortunately you're going to have lost Johnny Boychuk. Um, but that's kind of another issue for another time. Right now, Lou's focus is on getting Barzell signed, getting these three other guys signed, and uh, moving on. And, you know, again, it's as much as it sucks losing Johnny Boychuk, yeah, $6 million, it's going to go a long way. So, you know, if you were waiting for something to break in terms of how the hell they're going to get all these guys signed, this is that thing that has broken. Maybe there's another thing that breaks at some point too, but this is kind of a big deal. And so um, it's not, not bad to think about that. Yeah. And I think this is um, 
not like the 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 A to B A B kind of reaction or ramification is it, it helps get Barzell under uh, under control and whatever. But it also, like you said, six million dollars in cap space is really not insignificant, uh, and it's not just for this year, right? It's next year. I think he had one more year after, so like yeah. that helps uh, in in terms because you know we're going to have a little bit of uh, salary cap gymnastics again next year, but. Uh, it it does just give Lou a little bit more flexibility in in terms of just like other stuff, uh, whether it's uh, you know signing uh, a guy who's like 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 a Derek Brassard type who we need to to kind of provide more depth at, at forward or or whatever, and uh, it just it's it's um, kind of a testament or like another kind of thing that Boychuk did because like. It, like he could have, it really sounds like he, he, his, it was dangerous for him to keep playing and whatever, but uh, he, it's clear that like, he's, he knows, he's not an idiot. Like he knows what, what this decision means for the Islanders and for Lamarillo. So uh, it's just like him helping the team even, uh, you know, in a, in that way too uh, is huge. And it just kind of shows you what the kind of guy he is. But um, yeah, I think, I think what the, the good news is or the silver lining of all this is, is exactly that. Like we, we don't have to sweat the rest of, uh, you know, like getting Matt Barzell under contract for whenever the season starts. And, you know, now it kind of gives Lou flexibility in, in, with that negotiation too, and getting perhaps getting, uh, it, it gives them a couple more avenues rather than just saying like, here's like a one year deal to get you to arbitration or whatever it was going to be pre boy check. But uh, it just opens, opens up more, more possibilities uh, for, for the team. And like, it, <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of people are, are uh, it's funny because the Islanders are getting uh, pushed down a lot. Uh, but, you know, their salary cap issues obviously is, is a big part of it, but people have such a short memories that like this team with, even without Boychuk just went, was a game away from being a game away from the Stanley cup. Like this isn't the, sure they lost Devon Taves too, who's, who's important part, but I think, we know that uh, Noah Dobson looks looks ready and looks like he can probably fill that role. And with Andy Green filling Boychuk's role, like this this team is is not going to be uh, as it stands now. It's not uh, going to look very different uh, from from what we just saw. And th- not only did they they go on a run, but they did it in, in style and and through sk- like skill and good game planning. Like this this team, they really made the Capitals and Flyers two very good teams. Uh, look ordinary and then they they punched above their weight a little bit with the the lightning but that's what happens in in playoff series especially when you get to that point in the playoffs like people it sounds like people are ringing alarm bells about the islanders a little bit um not i think that that's kind of settled down with the boy check thing uh but it's just crazy to me that people aren't really are once again just like doing the same thing that they've been doing with this team, which is kind of just looking right past it. And, you know, they, they pat Barry Trotz on the back on the way through it. And they're like, all right, let's get to the Hurricanes and Rangers now. Uh, mm. with, good job, Barry. But, you know, this team is very, you know, bland to, to everybody else. But so the Islanders, we talked about how this team like has a way of sneaking up on people, even though that, that shouldn't be the case when they just made the Eastern Conference final. But they could sneak up on people again next year. Because like people are kind of overlooking it, and uh, that's this Boychuk deal kind of helps helps that cause a lot. It's it's almost the most Islanders thing you could possibly imagine is like coming off of the Eastern Conference Finals and then still sneaking up on people <laughs> a year later. You know, like um, yeah, that's why I said before. You know, I think 
on the ice, I think a lot of what Boychuk brought w- would be replicated by Andy Green, um, and you know who could would partner with Noah Dobson, who which had been a successful pairing for a couple of times when they get they did get to play, and then obviously you have you know. Devon Taves being traded does hurt. I, you know, we talked about it in our last podcast. We didn't like it then. Definitely don't like it now. <laughs> even even more so with Boychuk being out. But you still have Pellick and, and Pollock at the top and then Letty and Mayfield in the middle. And then if you have Green and Dobson, that's pretty good. And then you've got Sebastian Ajo, who's been knocking on the door for a long time. Um, you know, we wanted to focus a lot on, on Johnny Boychuk here. And I, I so I didn't want to necessarily bring up the, the sort of media landscape of it. But... Uh, if you still have a subscription to the athletic and you ever see anything there that mentions the Islanders, that's not written by Arthur Staple. I highly, highly recommend you do not read it <laughs> because nobody there understands that this team better than, than Arthur does. And chief and, you know, case in point is Scott Burnside, who apparently has never heard of Noah Dobson, doesn't know about him is wondering why the Islanders didn't get a puck mover. It's like, I mean, this kid's probably going to be pretty good at moving the puck. I don't know what, you know, but whatever, I guess. And then you've got guys like um, um, Bodie Wild and Mitch Vandesample that are like way deep in the play pipeline. But, you know, defense is one place where the Islanders do have actual prospects. So, I mean, this could, you know, this may not be the worst possible thing in the world on the ice. Um, but again, you know, losing a big personality is never really that great. But yeah, it's... um. A lot of it goes back to trots. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of what Boychuk brought when he first came to the Islanders, the stuff that we talked about, the sort of old school mentality, the old school gravitas. I think Barry Trotz brings a lot of that now, too. And obviously he's still here. Um, and, you know, there as much as some people have looked past the Islanders and it definitely is going to happen, it's going to happen for as long as if even if they win the Stanley Cup, it's still going to happen the next year. Um you know, they still do have trots and I think he's going to have a game plan and, and going to figure all this out. And there is a different perception out there. Like these guys aren't, they might sneak up on people in a general sense, but I think around the league players know what to expect when they play the Islanders. Now boy, Chuck, no boy, Chuck green, no green, whatever. Like they know what they're going to get because this is a trots coach team now and they're going to get that. And whether it's the same, more or less the same roster that played last year, or they find somebody new to bring in somehow, um, they know what they're going to get. And I think, you know, people know even free agents know what they're going to get when they sign here. I mean, JG Paggio learned pretty quickly what it was like to be an Islander and he's ensconced now. Again, he's, he's, you know, as much a part of that team as anybody, maybe he takes up the mantle of, uh, of locker room goofball and team dad. I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be something to watch and see how they adjust, but having trots there, and we've said this a lot over the last two years, now, having trots there makes you feel a lot better about it because I think they'll they'll figure out something and they'll they'll make up whatever loss they have uh, in a way that you know he he'll be ready for it. Now again, getting back to the signings, um, yeah, well, well, I just have to wait and see what what Lamorello can do. But I think he's going to work out something, and I I, I don't know. I kind of feel like Barzell is going to sign one of those contracts that people are going to be mad about. Like Mikhail Sergachev just signed a contract yeah. that was like, what was it like three and a half million or something? And it was like, people wanted to throw all kinds of crazy RFA offer sheets at him. And he ended up signing a totally below market value deal to stay with the team. Just won his damn Stanley cup. Like why wouldn't he stay there? He's playing Tampa the team's great. His friends are there. Great. Good for him. You know I mean? I don't know if that'll happen with Barzell, but I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Um, yeah. But, I, uh, I have you know, that feeling too, a little bit. Like, I just feel like people, um, because everything needs to be, 
you know, projected and, and modeled out. Like people, there's a human element to, to, to this stuff. And, and who knows, like maybe Matt Barzell just doesn't really, you know, he knows he's going to be making more money in, uh, you know, sponsorships this year or whatever. Like there's a lot of random stuff that happens that we don't know about. And I just feel like there's something, uh, there's something's going to happen where the Islanders get the deal they want. Like, I mean, look, look even like what Lou did last off season, um, with with Eberly and, and Nelson, like no matter what you think of those deals, like they came in under market value. They were they were if they went to the uh, open market, Eberly's probably not as much, but Nelson, he probably would have got what Kevin Hayes got and uh, Sorokin too. I feel like had a you know he, people people were like this is a great deal for, for the Islanders, whatever. Uh, so I just think that uh, we're we're going to see. Uh, yeah, Barzell come in at a deal. I think it's perfect, perfect way to put it. That's going to make the people you want to get mad about it mad about it. That's my hope. That, you know, you you want you want those those accounts to be like, oh, I can't believe that he would do this. This is this is robbery. Like these players need to start standing up for themselves. Uh, mm. But yeah, uh, I, gonna, I I agree with you. They're gonna he, he'll he'll sign a contract that'll make half of hockey Twitter want to rewrite the CBA. Like, it's just, you know, how could this possibly happen? Uh, I mean, you don't know the guy. I mean, he's living there. He, he This is his team. I, I love, I love when people freak out about that stuff too. Like yeah. it does, it just doesn't matter. Like it's, how Mikhail could he possibly have... sign for 10 cents less than our projection set? Well, I know cause... they don't have state income tax in Florida, but he could have easily, <laughs> you know, weighed that out and still got away with it. If he signed here with the Leafs, does he not have an accountant on staff? <laughs> on retainer that can tell them these things get their human beings. Like they just want to stay where they want to play, you know, and some yeah, guys would, move on. I would love don't. to play hockey in Tampa Bay. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so the, like, Oh, well, you know, the, the Ottawa senators could have probably paid them 8 million a year. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do respect to Ottawa, but you know, I'll take the, the $2 million to play in Tampa Bay over the $8 million to play in Ottawa or somewhere like that. Come on. Like it's just- My favorite thing about offer sheets, I don't even think we mentioned this last time, but like I love when people are like, why wouldn't Detroit sign him to an offer sheet? You know, big RFA deal. So uh, what people do all the time is they complain about guys making too much money and how their cap hit is ruining this team and they need to get rid of him. And then immediately they're like, why doesn't this team sign this guy to this enormous cap hit? You know, it's like, okay. And then what happens? And two years from now, we're talking about this guy being an albatross and they got to get rid of him. Like, it's just maybe they, maybe Steve Eisman just didn't want to sign him. Like, I don't know. Maybe he want, wants to have the caps. I don't know. Talk to Steve Eisman. Ask him. Uh, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff never goes away. The hockey's gone away, but these, these kinds of conversations never quite go away. But, um, and I don't think Johnny Boychuk's going to go away either. How about that segue? Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to, he's going to go away. I think he's going to hang around the island. I mean, whenever they play, wherever they play, Johnny Boychuk's going to be the, the you know guest of honor that first game is going to wave to the crowd they're going to go bananas when they open up uh, UBS uh, arena at Belmont he'll be there you know they're going to whenever they re re uh i guess bring back the Islanders Hall of Fame he'll be in it and i think he'll be a, a shining presence in the Islanders alumni association for a long long time and yeah, it will suck perfect. when he's he's perfect for that yeah. kind of stuff like that's Absolutely. that's the great thing about him is like you you hope that it sounds like you know, he, he really enjoyed his time on Long Island and, and has, you know, planted some roots here. So you hope that he's just around because he's, he's like the, the type of guy that you're just like, you'd love to see walking around at uh, the Coliseum or UBS Arena in like a suit, just like kind of walking the hallway and being like, oh, yeah, that, that's that's a Johnny Boychuk. Like I watched him, you know, throw Evgeny Kuznetsov through glass once. 
Hmm. I could just see him too. Like he just fits. I know he's like 30 years younger than they are, but like, couldn't you just see a, a, a box, like a suite at UBS arena. And it's like Clark Gillies, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> well, Butch is working, but like, you know, yeah. Gillies, Nystrom, and then like, you know, Benoit Hogue and then Johnny Boychuk. Like, don't those, those guys just sort of like all kind of fit together. Yeah. Like, you know, they're all yeah. just, they all look like they all belong together. Yeah, they, they sure do. Like it's, it's, it's like the Steve Webb thing. Like Steve Webb's been working for the team yeah. for like 20 years now. And I'm not totally sure what he does. I know he does like community stuff, but like he just, you know, not as much anymore, but used to see Steve Webb at every Islander game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, he always had a smile on his face. Like it's a good gig. Uh, and yeah. some, and he deserves it. Like he, he deserves yeah, that sure. kind of, uh, cushy thing and uh hmm. he, i'm sure he'll get it uh yeah but it's just funny how they all kind of fit you know they're all from different places they're all other teams obviously they play for the islanders at different points and had different means of success but they all look like they all belong together <laughs> and i think they're they're all gonna you know hanging out in the jerseys with their names on the back and yeah people are like waving up to them hey you know showing their kids look there's johnny Boychuk and clark gillies like it just makes sense yeah you know? so looking forward to seeing that uh and yeah Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for everything. Really appreciate it. Fairly well. Fairly well. Yeah, he he really was just it was great like having him mm. on the Islanders. Yeah. Really yeah, was. I loved it. Yeah. I gotta get a I gotta get a shirt or a jersey or something. I should have gotten one a long time ago, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, now yeah, now one is one the time. Thing, a pers- this is a personal anecdote, but my wife is, is from Massachusetts and they're big Bruins fans. And I just remember that uh I don't know why I didn't bring this up earlier, but when when they did get Boy Chuck, just the the look on her face was just like completely mm. blank because like he, he had the same kind of you know, reputation i guess there and um so that that qu- quickly became like a uh all right like i guess i can start rooting for the islanders kind of moment for her when they when they did get boy chuck mm. that's pretty you funny. know kind of like how when chris wagner went to the to the bruins i'm like oh okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> now that chris wagner's on the team i can start rooting for them yeah right no that that's really funny though because she knew yeah. she knew what, what they were getting in this guy and and was like damn now my team's not gonna have that so. yeah it didn't have the tim thomas trade didn't have the same effect <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> yeah i don't think that uh that was a yeah that, there's a whole episode oh i completely forgot so um so before all this had happened we, you know we mike and i have been talking about a bunch of different things and and we were talking about trades and um I, it was well. It was Arthur Staple? You know, we were we were talking with, and because he wrote an article at the Athletic about the ten worst trades in in Islanders history. There's a there's a, comp, a, a companion article coming soon. I won't spoil it for you, but it will be happening soon. And uh, it occurred to me, like you know, what would be great would be a podcast that's all about just Islanders trades. So we every episode is based on one trade, and we just talk about that trade and those players and the sort of like you know not not complete comprehensive stuff but like you know where the the, the tree branches all went to it's at a, to a certain point um because boy you talk about having a lot of material like there's no shortage of material especially with this team of these crazy trades going all the way back to 72 like you could talk about you know we could sit here and do a half hour just on the jean potvin trade which is just like you know the the first year and and all the ramifications of that and so um i think uh we're gonna do that you look for that in the future we're gonna i don't know what it'll be called or how we'll do it, but it'll definitely be me and Mike and maybe a guest once or twice here and there and just pick one trade and we'll talk about it. Kind of like what we talked about today with the boy Chuck and, and Letty moves. But uh, yeah, I, I'm excited for it because I mean, again, there's just, there's so much there and, and it's, 
you know, it is, it would be a history sort of based podcast, but man, those tree branches have long, they have a long reach and you never know when a trade from 1992 is still having, you know, a damaging effect in 2020 or something like, or, or maybe, maybe, you know, had a, a, a good effect in 2020. So uh, it's definitely something, I mean, you, in, the two of us could talk about this stuff all day long. So I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll there's just so, there's so many amazing ones. There really are. Um, and, and just, you know, with, without hockey on lately, I've been watching a lot of, uh, uh, I, I tweeted it out uh, that the YouTube channel is SAB 31 NYI. And, um, it's just chock full of, of, uh, you know, almost like full game condensed game highlights from, uh, the kind of the era of Islanders, uh, that I grew up in, 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 you know, from Laviolette to, to present. And, um, you know, I've just been looking at some of these guys and being like, Oh my God, like, I can't remember, like, I can't believe that, you know, ran, like I was watching Randy Robitaille and I was like, I just, deep dive into Randy Robitaille and, and I go back to find a that him and I think it's Matt Martin's draft pick was traded in the Randy Robitaille in one of the Randy Robitaille trades and just the, the amount of kind of stuff you can kind of just build out from from those from those teams especially for me just because that's like kind of the my, my salad days as an Islander fan and when I really started to get into it um, it's just it's wild and and you just and that YouTube channel is just unbelievable it's just great to see mike dunham wearing his all white pads white white helmet from from <laughs> you know that early part of that uh first ted nolan season and yeah. and you know with the orange jersey it's uh it's fun to watch those games now because you know you know where that those seasons had uh you know ended and and, and we can you know we're pretty that that era is is long gone now so it's it is uh you know just basically nostalgia and uh, you, you just the the feelings that you have when when I mean I thought Trent Hunter was going to be like a forty goal scorer uh, mm. and be really good, but uh, so it's it's going to be a lot of that stuff. I'm excited to to talk about nothing. Nothing makes me more excited than talking about those ten players. So uh, yeah, I'm very oh, excited for these these six hour four 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 episode installments of the <laughs> Alexei Zhitnik for Freddie Meyer trade. <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's that's the thing too like you know for me personally as a podcast listener and anything less than 20 minutes is a little bit short but then I, as i the more i thought about it i'm like no these are going to be way more than that like, it's just going to be so much you could talk about you know and i mean even the, the era immediately preceding the laviolette era which was a sort of like maddest of mad mike seasons you know when like a guy was getting traded every month uh you know or just rife with with crazy stuff and then obviously we, you know there's uh, 30 years of Bill Torrey trades, you know, which some of most of which worked out pretty well. I think we could all say for certain, but uh, I'm sure there's a few in there that, you know, went a little bit sideways on old bow tie bill. And, you know, <laughs> probably it's like, eh, I don't know what I was thinking there, but uh, maybe, maybe there's some cool stuff in there too. So, uh, yeah. So again, this is all very new, so <laughs> just keep an eye on it. And it's something we could definitely do, you know, basically whenever just want to get together and talk. Um, Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Dom and Steve and Jenny all keeping the lights on over there for the most part over the course of the offseason. And, uh, you know, listen to all our podcasts, Noel and Dan, and the Advanced Shouting is coming back this week. Uh, listen, Go back and listen to Joe's archives for a little while. He'll be having some stuff, I think, soon, too. And, um, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, thanks to Johnny Boychuk. And uh, we'll talk to you again very shortly, whether it's this podcast or another. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh wait, where can you find where can people find you on Twitter? Uh Bigly Baski, two E's. Bigly Baski with two E's. I totally forgot about That's it. That's all right. <laughs> uh so yeah, you can follow me at Culture Blues. Okay, now we're done. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.